Welcome. Welcome into episode 249 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Stressed about the big game or were you stressed about the big game? Take advantage of their special offer for KSR listeners and protect your teeth from clenching and grinding. For a limited time, they are offering 20% off bite guards and discounted therapeutic dice for injections. Click in the link in our show notes to schedule your free consultation. Offer ends April 4th. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again uh, off the road, unfortunately. We should be in New York City, but uh, unfortunately, here we are sitting in the comfort of our own home. Sean Smith, thank you for joining us. Yeah, I usually say it's fantastic to be here, but it's it's not fantastic to, to be where I am at the moment. So I definitely wish I were at Madison Square Garden getting ready for a Sweet 16 matchup tonight, but instead we are having to kind of talk about the direction of the program moving into next season, and I think we're going to be talking a lot about that over the course of the next uh, 50 minutes to an hour probably. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we're not uh, – It's I kind of get the – you know, just kind of the, the, that feeling of, oh, man, seeing the Kansas State players do their pregame press conference, Jerome Tang doing his pregame press conference for uh, leading up to Michigan State and all that, it's like, man, what the – we should be there right now. We should be asking those questions and listening to the players and all that. But it, it is what it is. And as you said, unfortunately, um, it's now time for what's next. Um, we did a show driving home from Greensboro. Uh, Stephen Peake, our videographer, he, we kind of broke things down. But Sean, but before we get into the nuts and bolts of what's next, I, I do want to get your thoughts just to you know give you a, a platform in a, a minute to just kind of give your spiel. What, what went wrong? Uh, for Kentucky, the highs against Providence, and then obviously the lows uh, against uh, Kansas State to send them home. Well, you know, on that pregame show, I believe it was Saturday when we recorded there at the arena, I, I talked a lot about turnovers, and, and Kentucky obviously lost that category. But uh, granted, they they came out, and I don't think – I think K-State got two more points off turnovers than what Kentucky did in that game. So you, you can point at maybe some given possessions that Kentucky gave away – uh, it, it's, it's, it's maybe crazy to say that it's, it's missed shots. Like I, I hate when you look and you see Antonio Reeves miss 14 shots because I do think Kentucky got offensive rebounds on like half of those, uh, but didn't score, but maybe on a couple of those opportunities. So I think a lot of it boiled down to can Kansas state missed shots for the majority of the game and Kentucky never really took advantage of that kind of moment and never really seized control of the game and then lost the lead there before the half and gave up momentum a lot of the same stuff that we had seen in Kentucky losses over the course of the season, it came down to it. And I don't care how efficient you are offensively, Jack. You get into a grinded-out game in an NCAA tournament and the other team starts making shots and goes on a heater the way Kansas State did, you're going home. And that's exactly what happened. They, they hit three contested threes there down the stretch that Kentucky just could not make. And, and here's the unfortunate side of it. Kansas State's in New York City tonight, and Kentucky is in Lexington. And that's just what it boils down to. I think uh, it was a game where I didn't criticize John Calipari a lot for it. I think the frustration that, that came afterwards was more because of the previous three years piled on top of this one than it was for anything that happened on Sunday. But Kentucky was good enough to beat K-State, but they just couldn't get the job done down the stretch, and K-State hit the shots that mattered when they mattered most. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate reality. And, um, you know, what bit Kentucky in the butt 
leading up to this game and, and throughout the season ended up doing them in to close things out. And, and uh, it does suck because I do know for certain that they thought a run was coming. Like they, they truly believed in themselves. And, and um, I, I think they were comfortable with the South Carolina loss and the, the Georgia loss and, uh, you know, early season Gonzaga, Michigan State, all the things that the, the, the adversities and speed bumps that happened earlier on in the year, they were comfortable with with those losses, you know, knowing that that a run was going to happen. Like you could you could live with that, knowing that they'd be able to to, to go on a run and then to see them not uh, be able to experience that and to experience that pain in that locker room after the fact, Sean was. Uh, it sucked. It really did suck seeing that just moment of silence from Oscar Sheboy where he didn't want to talk to anybody. He was uh, just kind of t- to himself facing his locker and, you know, very clearly emotional. That, that was a really tough thing to see. And you know, I want to get your thoughts on that. Just, just what was that like? Your first <laughs> locker room experience uh, during, during a postseason, I guess, in, in a little bit now. Kerman postseason since the loss to Auburn because we didn't get the postseason the following year. And then I don't think we had locker room access a year ago, did we? I think it was all podium. Uh, I, I was surprised when I walked in and Oscar wasn't at the podium. I think that's because I guess I thought he was one of those guys that would, would be up there. I don't, I don't remember the, the way it went down. But I walked in and I was like, man, there's a really big crowd over here. And I saw it was Oscar's locker. And – and we catch a lot of heat that time of year as media guys for taking photos in the locker room of emotional players. And it's not like we're up in their face and in their space. And none of us were asking Oscar questions when he was turning around. And uh, UK media personnel and stuff was there. And SID that was kind of that gap, you know what I mean, in that moment. And it, we gave Oscar the moment to have and kind of gather his emotions and his thoughts. And then he turned around and started talking to us and just the emotion on his face and kind of the man, you know, the last two years I've done a lot of individual things and I've won a lot of awards and I came back to win number nine and I had another out of this world performance. Like he had three incredible performances in three NCAA tournament games and is one for two to show for. And that's frustrating. That's frustrating for Oscar. It's frustrating for the fans because you had this generational talent, but it was hard. And, then you have to go and ask the tough questions. And Antonio Reeves gets asked, did the last one feel any different than the other 14? They just went in. And he just said, nah. And and you kind of – it's a shot that when he took it, I almost hated that it went in. Because you could see the look on his face go, why did that one go and the other ones didn't fall? And then you get Jacob Toppin being asked about his performance, a a guy that we had praised the day before. It's just – it's basketball. Things happen. You have off nights. But that's the hardest part of this job is going in that locker room when the season is done and having to ask kids what went wrong. That's hard. And it sucks because that was the one thing we said leading up to that game. Well, you know what you're going to get from uh, from Oscar Sheway. You know what you're going to get from Jacob Toppin. You know what you're going to get from uh, Antonio Reeves and those last two end up being the, the only two that, that weren't able to step up in, in that moment. It, uh, it, it sucks, and you give them the benefit of the doubt because those two in particular had built up so much equity with me personally to close out the regular season and, and to open postseason play. They were, they were both terrific. I mean, absolutely terrific, uh, basically the entire back half of the season. Uh, so for them to kind of end things the way they did, it sucks, and, and it does hurt. Like, you, you don't want – 
their careers to end in that fashion. And, and you, you, you don't want to see that pain on their face, but unfortunately that's just kind of the uh, reality of the situation. And now uh, we get to spend the next 40 minutes or whatever, breaking down what each of these kids is doing. And, and, and it, it feels early. I, I felt like once you got the monkey off your back with the, the round of 64 win that like, okay, you get to that second weekend and now the rest is gravy. Like you, you felt good about it, but you still wanted to just, just, go that one extra day and, and, and make the trip to, to New York city. And if you lose in the sweet 16 to a very talented, uh, you know, coach hall of fame coach and Tom Izzo and a team that typically wins in, in NCAA tournament games, if you lose in that one, then it is what it is. You're a sweet 16 team. And uh, it kind of fits with how good this team really was, but now they're, you know, they're round of 32, they didn't. They won't finish as a top twenty-five team in America, and the guys we kind of thought they were throughout the year—that's who they ended up being. And it's just, yeah, it, it's a, it's tough. It just really is. It is. It's it. Each year gets tougher, especially for a program that's not gone on a run in a in a long time now. And that's where I'm coming from. That I think a lot of the frustration that I saw on Twitter it wasn't about Sunday. It was about last year. And how it ended. It was about missing the tournament the year before, not getting a postseason run at all three seasons ago. Like, that's where the frustration lied. I, I didn't – and for the most part, I thought people handled it fairly well. Like, I didn't see – like, last year when we when the loss to St. Peter's and we're coming back and me and you were talking on the phone and we're tweeting and all this and how things have to change and how things have to be different, I didn't feel the same way as I did a year ago. It felt differently. Like, And I don't want to say that it was a, I accept that this happened because it's still not acceptable at Kentucky. There was just a, you lost to a good team. You were in this game because you did absolutely nothing in the non-conference portion of the schedule. That's why you were a six playing a three. It wasn't because of what they did in league play. It was what they did in November and December, and they did nothing in that time frame. That's what put them in that moment against a team that caliber. And then I hated the national narratives. Like, don't give me – and I, I love Jeff. Like, you know, like we've talked to Jeff multiple times, and I've had Jeff on, on shows. But I, don't give me the – you paint this picture and then this picture, and then you throw in the team picked to finish last in the Big 12. Well, okay, Kentucky was a preseason top five team, so let's give Kansas State some credit here too. Okay? Yeah. Like, why are we throwing that narrative out there? That's not fair to anyone. That's not fair to K-State. It's not fair to Kentucky. It's not fair to John Calipari. And then how about we do Tony Bennett? How about we do Matt Painter's run? Like I saw a a birthday thing go out on Twitter. That's like, who, which coach do you get in your birthday month, and how far are you going in the tournament? And I said, well, I'm either losing to a 13 twice or I'm losing to a 16 seat. So my birthday month's not doing me any favors with my head coach. So come on now, like there's narratives that you can push, and then there's narratives that make no sense. And that's one that I thought was just total garbage. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Unfortunately, now here we are. It's time to just, you know, the actual sit-down meetings have not even happened yet. And John Calipari. I can't hear you at all. Will happen next Wednesday. You can't hear me at all? Nothing? So, Nothing? I guess everybody's listening to me now, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. I just went on this uh, national narrative is trash thing. Let's see if you can get your audio back because I do want to hear what you have to say about this. So I don't know what, I don't know what issues we're having here. I'm seeing the same YouTube comment on the screen for the last five, 10 minutes. 
How about how about now? So I'm trying to see what we can do here. Hopefully, I don't even know. Can you can you hear me now? Okay. They can hear uh, you, but I can't hear. Well, you. if you can hear me both. Well, I'll take over and you see if you can change your audio settings and we'll just go from here. I'll 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 take it from here. All right. As of right now, Oscar Shibway, Jacob Toppin, Casey Wallace, Sabri Wheeler, those are the guarantees. I, I know uh, there's a lot of talk about Oscar Shibway. You know, he can make a, a bunch of money if he decides to come back and he made a ton of money this year. Um that's obviously the narrative and, and until he officially says that it's time to go, uh, I guess you could technically say that, that it's a possibility, but uh, I, I have been told that Kentucky has been told on their end that it's probably not even worth uh, their time to uh, explore that. And um, it's probably best for both sides to say it's a fresh start for both. We, we can, um, let him begin as as a professional basketball player and, and move move forward uh, and get his own fresh start while Kentucky can turn its attention to recruiting Hugo back and getting Aaron Bradshaw in and seeing what happens with Damian Collins, Lance Ware. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities with other guys that uh, I think they are deserving, and I, I think uh, it, it's just you know it's just time. It, it, Oscar's career has run its course. And he's done so many magnificent, magnificent things in Lexington, and uh, he's deserving of all the praise in the world. I think, for my money, he's deserving of, of having his jersey hung in the rafters someday at, at some point. Um, but I, I do think that both sides have decided that that uh, at the end of the day, it will be time for for Oscar to take his next step. Um, Jacob Toppin, I think. The same thing. He's done a lot in his four years. Been two different stops, um, three in in Lexington, and, and I think um, him personally, it's going to be time for him to take the next step. He wants to figure out who he is as a basketball player and as a pro. And um, uh, the, the ongoing expectation is that he goes. And the same goes with Casey Wallace and Sabir Wheeler. Um, Sabir for transfer reasons and Casey for pro reasons. Um, Sean, what are you thinking of those four? Kaysen, Savir, Jacob, and Oscar being Kentucky's pretty certain goes. Yeah, that 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 doesn't surprise me at all. I think that that's what I expected mostly to happen with with that group. Uh, with with Oscar, you've you've got two years of just unreal numbers, but you get to a point where it's, it's kind of time for everybody to, to move on and do what they're going to do. And then case, and we know the NBA potential there and then Jacob, what he's done for the program uh, over the course of the, the last three seasons. And then Savir kind of how it just un unfolded this season. It just kind of feels like it's time for a changing of the guard, I would say. And it, I think what's happening is that portal year, where Kentucky had to go portal because they missed on everybody in recruiting that they had kind of went all in on. And I think that that's what this last couple of years was. It was the surviving the beginning of the transfer portal and kind of bridging the gap to where you get back to the top high school players in the country. And that's what Kentucky's bringing in. And now you got, you, and you got to deal with college basketball being older for a couple more years because you still have some guys that are, can take advantage of the COVID year. That they that they were awarded, so you you could see some really old college basketball players for the next couple of years if they they choose to uh, to come back and, and take advantage of that. So 
college basketball is going to be at one point it was dominated by freshmen, right? It was one and done, one and done, maybe two year players. Well, now you're seeing older guys. And I think you're going to see that kind of carry through for at least maybe one, two more seasons before it kind of levels back out. And you see a lot of freshmen coming in and, and making plays early on some blue blood programs, but Kentucky's going to get back to their youth next year. And then we'll see exactly who joins that. And if Kentucky hits the portal, I, I think they need to at some spots and we can get into that. Can you hear me okay? Because I don't know what that issue was a moment ago. Yeah. Can you hear me? We good? Yeah. I got you. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's time. I, I appreciate everything that Oscar brought to the table, and Kentucky obviously did too. And uh, I was told that Kentucky did just reach out to Oscar and say, you know, hey, what, what's the deal? Talking to Oscar's people and the people close to him and said, is it even a possibility? And I think they didn't want to rule it out and say never, say never, and they're saying all the right things still, but uh, it was made clear on both sides. Kentucky saying, yeah, it's probably for the best, and Oscar returning that and saying, yeah, it's probably for the best. Uh, I, I would be absolutely shocked if if either if any of those four come back. And I, I was told uh, Savir is expected to hit the portal, and if he does, and when he does, uh, I was told that Kansas State is a team to keep a close eye on his former um, assistant at Texas A&M when he committed to Texas A&M out of high school uh, is now the lead assistant at, at Kansas State. So that could kind of come full circle as we're sitting here talking about the uh, loss to Kansas State. Marquise Noel and what he did to Kentucky could be another um, you know, five foot eight point guard taking his talents to, to Kansas State as well. So keep a close eye on that one. Uh, Texas A&M will be interested. I think a lot of Big 12 schools, it, it makes sense fit-wise. He's from uh, Texas, so it makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, in that direction, I, I was told that there is a lot of interest in Savir. I think um, the general perception of Savir uh, nationally is that he just wasn't used properly in, in Lexington, yeah. and that he uh, uh, he does a lot of really good things that other schools think they could take advantage of a little bit better than Kentucky was able to down the stretch. And um, so, I, I think it's going to be a good thing for both sides. We're obviously, going to be a, a you know, clean house at the guard position for uh, the Cats, and Savir is going to be able to find his new opportunity elsewhere, and, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing where that takes him, but it will um, very likely not be, uh, in, I mean, absolutely certainly not be in Lexington. Um, the up-in-the-air category is the most fascinating one. Um, Chris Livingston, Antonio Reeves, uh, C.J. Frederick, and Damian Collins. Uh, I kind of did in my little rundown of them. Uh, all four of, of them in there, and I'd probably put Ugana Onyenso in that category uh, as well um, for various reasons that we'll get to here shortly. But, but Sean, I want to get your thoughts on Chris Livingston. What um, His situation is complicated because I think he is the only player on the Kentucky roster that has – that I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if any of the three decisions that he decides to go. He could either go pro, he could – hit the transfer portal or he could come back uh and i truly think it's a 33 33 33 split between all three options i think he's very seriously considering all three uh, paths for various reasons what are you expecting from the process with chris i think the one that i would dislike would be the portal just because i do feel like that that cal committed to chris for a large portion of the year and then he broke through and started making some plays and I would have loved to have seen Chris move forward in this tournament because I thought that there was some stuff coming out there against Kansas State that he was really showing up and making some plays. 
And he had that one shot that didn't go down, but he had the putback dunk and stuff. And I, I thought he was really coming into his own. And I want to see him at Kentucky next year because I think that there is potential for him to have a really significant breakthrough and be a stud on that roster, an older guy. Uh, another offseason to work on his frame and work on that jumper. He's, he's got some things with his jump shot that has to be fixed mechanics-wise, especially this offseason. The hand, the guide hand gets way too far in front of the basketball. You can watch it. That's why the shot came out there that he had from the corner is because that hand, that rotation, that spin this way, he's not getting bounces on that. I, I watched him during practice the other day. I have no idea what I expect, like I'm with you, that I could see any of those three playing out. The one that I think makes the most sense for him, though, is a sophomore season at Kentucky. Given the way this one ended, he did get better. He got significantly better, I thought, as the season went along. But there's got to be a thing here where you look at this roster and you see a Justin Edwards or you see what Kentucky's doing. You had John Calipari throwing out the whole playing two seven-footers together comment the other night, which I do not want to see. But I want to see Chris Livingston in a Kentucky jersey again next year being a veteran piece for a group of freshmen coming in that has talent, but they need some experience and they need a guy that's gone through the battles and the war at Kentucky. I would love to see Chris leading the charge of that roster next year as, as one of the returning players. It just – there's so many dominoes that have to fall that go into this. And uh, I just don't want to see it get to a point where at Kentucky you get an, a freshman who is in the elite end of high school basketball rankings, feel like they don't have a spot as a sophomore at Kentucky and they transfer and go somewhere else and they choose not to go to the NBA. I think that's something that we kind of get in here where you see NBA decisions and you see other things. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to see that happen. Yeah, I'm getting some feedback that my audio sucks on that, and I'm getting my new Wi-Fi installed literally this week. So um, this show can definitely kick rocks, and we'll uh, adjust accordingly. This, and if, if this it, is the perfect end sucks. to how the season ended, right? Like this is the perfect ending to how it all ended. Just might as well just melt and just be terrible. Yeah. So if, if this if this is an absolute disaster and we need to just do this again, to, you know, whenever my stuff gets installed the right way, whatever it, it is, what it is. But uh, until then, I'll just talk and whatever you get out of it, you get from it, and whatever you don't, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, Chris, it's very complicated because Chris um, has a lot of people in his circle. Un unfortunately, the clutch factor is a significant one. Um, LeBron's agency obviously wanted him to be a one and done and did not, the people around him did not think that his year uh, was uh, what they wanted it to be in terms of role, in terms of um, the, the, the types of touches he was getting and the ways he w was put in position to score. They were not pleased with that. He was a guard in, in high school in their eyes, and he goes to college and becomes a, a small ball four. And uh, basically his scoring is held exclusively to, you know, put back, you know, crashing the boards and, and scoring on putbacks and things like that. So I think that was something that uh, I think rubbed them the wrong way. And it's going to be something that they uh, monitor and, and keep a very close eye on moving forward. They, they um, will put their name – Chris will put his name in the draft and test the waters and uh, go from there to figure out what the feedback is. The clutch pool will be a significant one. If, if there's a team that offers a, a second round pick uh, and says, 
you know, we will take a chance on you and, and the money is right. I think that there's a chance that he decides to go pro. Um, I do think that, that conversations will be necessary uh, on Kentucky's side to just kind of express how he'll be used, the, the, the type of role, things like that uh, so, in Kentucky. So you think you think the meeting, the end of season meeting is probably the most important thing when it comes to this one is how that conversation goes and and I guess how he envisions his future at Kentucky. And you could probably say the case for most of these guys that could be a portal or stay or go decision. It's kind of like what – because I think that there's more successful opportunities for Chris Livingston at Kentucky as a sophomore than there were as a freshman, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not just given that he's a year older and better. I just think that the the pieces and everything, I could see him kind of emerging and moving into that leadership role that's there and not kind of playing – on the back burner. Like I think that there's should be better spacing at times next year. If, if, if they get the pieces that they want to return and, and what they got coming in, I, I think that the roster really fits what he could do. And I'd love to see him playing alongside Justin Edwards. That would be the dream. And uh, those two just, yeah, the, the versatility that they both have in different ways um, I, I think they just complement each other extremely well. And I, I would like to see those two together. Um, and, and it's not a done deal that he's leaving. And, and I, I, I do want to stress that. And I do think that if it came down to him personally, uh, if this was a Chris decision only, uh, I was told that he would 100% be Kentucky, that, that he would be very comfortable coming back. Um, but there's just a lot of voices and a lot of different inputs that are going on that I, I think will make uh, it a very complicated one. He's going to put his name in the draft and see how that goes, and that, that will be option number one. If he gets the feedback that he wants to hear, then uh, I think it's going to be a, a pretty easy decision on, on his part, but I just don't know if he's there yet. I think that, that he still has a lot of his game to show off uh, to, to even appear close to being a pro, uh, and I think that's, uh, it, that's where I think it'll come down to the portal or a return to Kentucky, and, and I do know that there will be schools that – are pushing hard for him. And um, I think Kansas, I think Memphis, I think Georgetown, some of the schools that pushed really, really hard for him is in his original recruitment and um, are, would promise the world NIL wise and role wise and all that stuff. I mean, that's going to be something very difficult um, on his end that it's just something to keep in mind. And uh, we'll, we'll see. My gut as of right now is that we do not see, Chris Livingston back in a Kentucky uniform. And if that's the case, Kentucky has to go portal, in my opinion. I think so. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I if I know you got Justin there, but I, I still think that Kentucky would have to go to the portal. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess it, it depends on what happens with Antonio Reeves because Antonio Reeves is next on, on the list that we got to uh, obviously address. Uh, his, I think, is much more cut and dry. Uh, I think his is is, is going to be a little bit of an easier decision uh, because his is going to come entirely down to money. He, I, I, you know, talking to people close to uh, Antonio, um, they really like how this year went. They love the role. They love the opportunities. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't like an ultimate yeah. green light at the University of Kentucky. It was the perfect opportunity for him. Um, he made solid money this year. He, he hit the six-figure mark uh, in terms of NIL and uh, I think that there is a very clear understanding on Kentucky side that um, he's going to be making way more with NIL than he would on a just pure G League deal. So yeah. 
if he he is going to test the waters when he tests the test the waters and if the feedback isn't over the moon excited you know yeah we kind of like you but uh, it is what it is i i genuinely think that um money will be enough to 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 have antonio reeves come back but if it all it takes is one team to say we got a two a two-way contract for you we have a, a roster spot available for you it's yours and I think that's all it would take for him to go. So I, I think yeah. it would just come come down entirely to two dollar figures. Yeah, I I think in the end, I have a, a gut feeling that, that Antonio Reeves will be on that Kentucky roster next year, just because I think it makes sense fit wise, and I think that that's the guy that Kentucky would want back to to go with that backcourt. And I, I could honestly see him probably sliding into that, that starting two role next year there and, and getting a lot of shots and a lot of opportunities and, and making that backcourt deeper than what it would be if he's not there. So uh, I, I would be a huge fan of another season of Antonio Reeves because I think Kentucky's got some dudes coming in that are going to take some shots and be willing to take shots. And I think that that takes some of that pressure off of him that you saw at times this year where he had to step up and make shots on his own. Like it got to a point late in the year, if, if, if he wasn't hitting threes, nobody was hitting threes. And you saw that. I mean, I know Kaysen knocked one down, and I know they had some other – C.J. Frederick hit one, and they, they had some guys that knocked down outside shots, but not consistently enough. And I think that that's the thing. Like, you you bring him back here. I don't think that his season at Kentucky was probably what he envisioned it to be when he committed a year ago. I don't think that he thought that it would come down to the end of the year and he'd be with the ball in his hands and middle ball screen and, and doing some some things like that and kind of being the one guard that could consistently – make shots. I don't think that that's what he, he thought at any point. And, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that he would return because I think that there's a significant role and opportunity for him next year and to be a veteran guard, to kind of go through the, the grind with these younger guys that are coming in. And, uh, anytime you can add a guy that put 37 up at, at Arkansas back to your roster, you, you certainly take that. And I think that it makes sense for both sides. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing, and I think it'd be great for DJ Wagner. I think it'd be great for Rob Dillingham as a vet piece in the locker room. Um, three ball-dominant guards, and I do think that's something to keep in mind. Um, I don't think that it, he would get as many uh, on-ball opportunities as he saw this past season, but I do think the catch-and-shoot stuff and, and everything that he was getting earlier on in the year and uh, kind of at his peak, I, I think he'd get all of those back as well, so... Um, I do think the fit is there. I just think the money has to be right. He's 22 years old and his career clock is ticking and uh, he, he's going to have to make the best decision for him. And uh, I, I think when it does come down to money, I think the money will be there for, for Kentucky. And, and I think it'll be a, a good match for both sides. Um, I want to get your thoughts on CJ Frederick, because his, if you were to just take everything that you heard from him, post game after the loss you say yeah he's hanging it up there's no way that he comes back but he's also like a psychopath in terms of just how much he is obsessed with basketball and i do think that that's going to play a pretty significant part of it that's not a dude that wants to hang it up on that and ending the way that it did uh so that's a unique decision on his end that it, it, it he's going to go as his body tells him but I also think a big part of it will be he's never had an off season of, of complete, you know, he's always been rehabbing something. He's always had an injury to recover from. This would be his first opportunity in a UK uniform where it'd be a clean slate. He gets his rib, his ribs already almost healed. 
and from here on out, all the way up until next season, be 100% training and development. I think that is an intriguing factor for him that he's definitely going to keep in mind. I'm I'm just not sure what his role would be next year, I think, is, is what I look at. I mean, obviously, it would be to make shots, but uh, with what they have coming in, if you get Antonio Reeves back, I, I just don't know. And then you got Justin Edwards playing there and, and things. Like, I don't know what the – the lineup possibilities would be for him. But he's also a guy that they like having around the program, uh, a veteran guy that I think would be big for the locker room. And if he if he comes back and is able to stay healthy and consistently knock down shots, and it would be great to add an option to your to your bench that can step in and, and hit shots consistently. But I just don't know. Like there, There's so many moving pieces this offseason, and there's been some crazy offseasons. I mean, we've been to a point where we've watched seven guys sit at a table and all announce they're going to the NBA at one time. And that was when times were good in Lexington. But this offseason, to me, I could literally circle almost every guy on this roster and say I could see a scenario where they're not in Lexington next year, just about. And when it comes to transfers and it comes to guys coming back, if it's Lance Ware, if it's Damian Collins, it doesn't matter who it is. Like You can kind of talk yourself into them being there, and you can talk yourself into them not being there outside of, you know, Savir and some of these other guys that we kind of know where the writing's on the wall. But there is a lot of moving pieces. And I write that annual piece every year where I keep up with like a roster tracker of what's happening. And I expect that thing probably to go 6,000 words plus by the time we get into to late April because we just don't know who it's going to be, who emerges in the portal. You have teams that are going to lose tonight. You're going to have teams that are going to lose on Friday night and Saturday night. And what names go into the portal from those schools and what head coaching changes and what jobs are taken. Like there's a lot of moving pieces of this, but I feel like Kentucky's probably going to have the most attrition of anyone, but it also has a really solid class to kind of lean on coming in. Now it's about who joins that. And that's, what's going to be the biggest story over the next six to seven weeks. And I guess the the one thing that could completely tank uh, all of it and, and really impact uh, just what recruit Kentucky's recruiting efforts are going to be in the portal and just the, the, their next steps uh, are what Damian Collins and um, Ugana Onyenso do. I, I know Ugo had the quote in the locker room after the game. He said, I'm coming back. I'm excited to replace Oscar and uh, Jacob, I know the program's going to need me, blah, blah, blah. Like he said all the right things. And if you recall, Sean, we've heard Michael Kidd Gilchrist in that same locker room say after a big win, I gonna, I'm going to stay all four years. I'm so excited. I, I'm thrilled at the possibility of being in Kentucky. And uh, Archie Goodwin, after their loss in the NIT, he said, hell no, I'm not leaving on this note. He ended up leaving very shortly afterward because – Emotions are what they are in the locker room, and you just can't rely on a spur-of-the-moment decision after an emotional loss or an emotional win, one way or the other. Ugo is a completely different animal. His situation is a lot different, and other factors are will, will, will be at play uh, with Ugo. And unfortunately, not a lot of them will be based on what he wants. If it were up to him, Ugo would be back next He'd be season. Kentucky. And it's a really... It's a really crappy thing that uh, happens in the world of college basketball, but um, it is what it is. 
and it's something that you just need to uh, face head on and, and embrace and say that this is the reality that East Kentucky will not just let somebody else pry him away and say, have a nice day, we'll replace you because Kentucky loves him. And as you heard John Calipari say a million times, they want Ugo back. They really want Ugo back. Um, so it's going to be a dogfight. But there are other pushes and pulls going on outside of what Ugo wants or, or what he's even saying publicly that will absolutely be needed to – we'll need to keep that in mind as we uh, try to navigate whether he's going to be on the roster next season or not. That's why I yeah. am – I lean probably yes. I think Kentucky's going to do what it takes to get him back, but uh, he's he is closer to the toss-up range than he is closer to a lock to return. Yeah, and how do you think that's why Cal threw out? Oh, I'm going to play two seven footers together next year. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure that just trying to throw anything out there and kind of throw something, hope it sticks, or throw a bone there. And I hope he's at Kentucky because I thought that. His presence in the locker room the other day in a very emotional moment, I thought it was really mature. The things that he said and the way that he carried himself and the video that you got of him with Oscar walking over and talking to him, I, I thought that that was super cool to see. And you're right. Like, if, if this were down to just him, he'd be in that same Kentucky jersey in a few months playing this summer and going into next season. But we know that there's two things that are just messier than anything can be messy. And it's recruiting – whether it be college basketball, college football, it's messy. But the attrition in the offseason in Lexington might be messier because you just never know what in the world is going to happen. And now you move into a period of NIL and things like that that it just gets even more messier, that you have no idea what these guys are going to do. You have no idea who's going to be on your roster in six weeks. So I just kind of look at it, and uh, I hope that he's back. And I hope that that's something that by the time we get into mid-April, late April, we know for sure what's going to happen. But I have no idea uh, exactly what's going to be the decision there. But um, Kentucky certainly could use him. And I think there's a lot of potential there with his his defensive ability and things that there was uh, – there's some questions on Twitter the other night about who would make the biggest impact at Kentucky a year from now. And I, I chose Ugana just because of his defensive ability and – and the plays that he can make there and how he can affect the game. And I think that there's a significant role for him next year if he does indeed come back. Yeah. Uh, this, this, I, I heard like maybe four of those words. So um, <laughs> I, I hope that the listeners could at least hear that. I don't know. We're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to do this again is what's going to have to happen. Like, and it's just stupid because you're you're crystal clear half the time, and then the other half you sound like a, a robot trying to order a McFlurry. And I just I really have no idea, and it's really pissing me and, off. And, but and the McDonald's ice cream machine's broken. That's what's wrong. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, robot ice cream machine broke. Whatever. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna go back and listen to this afterward, and if we both sound absolutely stupid, then. Uh, we'll do this over again and figure out a different path, but it is what it is. I'm I'm literally on data at this point, so it's not even like my I'm Wi-Fi on, is bad. I, I don't. I'm on my hotspot because I thought it was my Wi-Fi, but I don't think it is. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. Um, well, we'll salvage what we have left of this. Uh, Damian Collins, I... Uh, he's he's the one crapshoot on this roster that I would not be shocked 
I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Jack, somebody said you <laughs> you need to hook up to somebody else's Wi-Fi, Jack. I have no idea uh, what's going on, Stephen. If you if you get him back in here at any point, but I'll try to carry this on the the best I can until I see Jack's face on here again. And like he said, if if this is a mess, and I, I don't know, I'm I'm trying to read the comments here. I see I see people saying that we sound fine and and everything else, but but this is completely off the rails. Uh, Jack, uh, there's no head-bobbing comments tonight. It's just telling me to take over because I have no idea what's going on. You've been on the left of my screen. You've been on the right of my screen. You've disappeared from my screen. Uh, are you hitting the transfer portal, or are you staying, or are you leaving this time? I, I don't know. It sounds like your decision is probably the most important here, not somebody else's. Yeah, I'm. 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 Uh, you, whatever Wi-Fi service this is, I'm. I'm hitting the transfer portal with this and getting the hell out of here. And, and I'm a free agent. If anybody wants my, uh, <laughs> wants my internet to, to be my internet provider, by all means, please reach. Please reach out. Um, you know where to find me. Um, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, Damien has. I think the toughest decision of everybody on the team because his has nothing to do with basketball. Um, I was told that if his decision came down to um, pure basketball, I can't get over, I can't get over <laughs> the comments. <laughs> they're just they're just sitting here cyberbullying me as they know I'm. Somebody I'm said you have dial up internet. Yeah, I, I'm gonna punch a hole through the wall and, and really make this an entertaining show. Uh, oh, good goodness gracious! Um, yeah, Damien. It's it's unfortunate because his his decision has nothing to do with basketball. I was to told that if, if this were a basketball decision, he'd be back and wouldn't even think twice about it. He is loving his time in Lexington, and it's everything that he has wanted it to be. He's developing the way that he's wanted uh, wanted to, uh, and he's still confident that a breakthrough is coming on his end. Uh, but obviously, it has nothing to do with basketball. He, he has a family decision to make, and it's family over anything with, with Damien. So, um I'm not going to pry on that one. I'm not going to to be calling up family members and DMing and messaging. Like I, I, I don't think that anybody should. Like Damien is going to make a, d a decision whenever he's ready to, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it one way or the other. But on Kentucky side, I think they have said that they're going to be patient with it, and they would understand and be in full, complete support of him either way. If he decides that he needs to go home and uh, spend time with family and transfer to SMU or uh, Houston or a Baylor or a Texas Tech or something like that, I think nobody would blame him, and I think everybody would be in complete support of him. And um, that, that's where he needs to be right now, yeah. mentally at least, knowing that he has support on both sides. Um, just what I know in my conversations with his dad, Ben, before he passed, he told me that he wanted his son to play out the process of Kentucky and, and didn't matter if it took four years, three years, two years, one year, he wanted him to live out this process to the fullest extent. And um, if he makes a commitment to, to something, follow through on that commitment. So that's something to keep in mind as well, that, that, that he could just want to go with what his dad's wish was. So uh, I, I've I have no idea based on outside of just conversations I've had on with Kentucky about their thoughts, but um, I'm I'm definitely gonna leave that one be. Yeah, I, I have no idea what Damien's mindset is right now and, and where he is 
in in his own head and what he wants to do. Like I have I have no clue, and uh, I just hope that whatever Damian decides, if it's at Kentucky, I hope that he's able to have a successful off season and, and get some weight on his frame because I know what he went through there from November till now was not easy, and it really set him back. And if he chooses to go back home and, and play somewhere, I, I I would think that every member of BBN would probably be one of the most supportive groups of, of fans for him elsewhere because at, at this point, I just want what's best for Damian Collins. And if that's helping Kentucky, it's helping Kentucky. If it's helping someone else, the, the biggest thing is he has to help himself. He has to do whatever he feels is best for him mentally and not not just mentally at this point, but physically too, to get himself into a, to a frame of mind and where he wants to be and, and around a support group. But he's got a good support group in Lexington. But the, here's the other side of this, the interchanging of teammates. You lose That's people true. you've been close with for a couple of years, and yeah, you get new faces coming in, but it's 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 difficult. Like you, you've already lost a lot, and you see that that kind of changing of the guard coming. Your entire roster leaves. Then the people that you've been with for two years, it's it's your your life's already changing enough when it comes to the people around you. Uh, these comments are hilarious, by the way. Like they're uh, they're coming in. Somebody told you to go to Starbucks. Somebody said to go to Starbucks. <laughs> It worked out much better when we were in person. If we were at Madison Square Garden right now, we wouldn't be having these issues. Uh, yeah, I'm Matt Jones. Jack is on AOL <laughs> mail disc. <laughs> Jack, go to Starbucks. <laughs> Look, I, I, I have, I have AT and T fiber. Literally, I got a message this morning that it's being installed this week. No, it's being installed right now. <laughs> it is, I don't know if they're installing it. No, like seriously, I'm I'm halfway concerned that they knocked out like the cell tower nearby or something because I've I've been using data on most of these shows because the Wi-Fi has been absolute just downright ass. So I don't know what's happened with this show in particular that makes you sound like a robot and me buffering well, every four words. I don't get the it. thing. The thing that I've been getting is that I sound fine, but I switched to my hotspot thinking that it was me, but I've been perfectly fine this entire time. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad you're here because I thought for a moment, I was like, I'm going to have to carry this all by myself. And there were no comments popping up. That was frozen. So I had no idea. I was like, I guess I'm just going to talk everything that I want to say. Like, this is my platform to say whatever at this moment. And that could be good. That could be bad. This is my show. Uh, this is source say now. It's not sources. It's source. But you're still here, and yeah, while it's good, let's now, talk about whatever. It's, now it's completely well, clear. Well, don't jinx it. It's don't jinx it. It's completely clear, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing every single one of your words, and this is beautiful. And, and <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I will say I think the decisions of Damian Collins and Ugo, you got to get one of them back. I, I think you cannot afford this point. Yeah. Because there's no other 2023s out there, there's no other 24s that I trust um, to be the immediate impacts that you would need Ugo or Damien to be next year. Ideally, you get both back, but you can't lose both. You don't have to miss no. them. You don't have to make them. You just can't miss them all. <laughs> and that's my mindset with Damien and Ugo. Yeah, that's... Uh... That was a good one. We've had some good ones here. You hit the transfer portal a couple of times, and then you had a change of heart and decided to come back. And now you're uh, you're thrown out. You can't miss them all. You just 
you can't. You got to have makers. And uh, I don't know. I was proud of you on Sunday. I thought you handled that well. Because last year, me and you neither one handled St. Peter's very well. But I felt like the other day we were we were composed and we were ready to record and talk about this. And you all had better quality driving in a car on the way back from North Carolina than we've had <laughs> sitting in our own homes. So maybe we should just take this show mobile and just drive around and do it for now on. Maybe I should just come up to where you live and we just get on the interstate and just drive and just record this thing. Maybe we'll have better Wi-Fi. But I do want to get your thoughts. I mean, we've talked a lot of roster stuff. Let's, let's talk about what happened Monday on John Calipari's radio show where Cal's like, I can't say anything about what's going to happen, but we're working on some things and playing and some stuff this summer, and then Chin comes on and just blurts it out. And I felt like that showed the, the most disconnect of where things possibly are when it comes to putting things out, that you go from can't say anything to here it is, I'm going to give it all to you. And I don't know if that's how you feel or not, but I'm sure John Calipari was not a very happy camper Monday night around 7.30 when he got word that that was just thrown out there. But Kentucky's going to be playing this summer. And I feel like this team was I was I had just made this comment to somebody that I actually hated that the current team had the Bahamas trip because they had a lot of guys coming back. As many new faces of what we're going to see and the freshmen coming in, I think this trip is going to be beneficial because that's the teams that need it most, in my opinion. And Baylor did it last year and they got their butts whooped. Like they, uh, Baylor, who ended up being a three seed, they went down there and or up there to, to Canada and they played real <laughs> U23 competition. And it was that's what that team needed. And th- this Kentucky team will go to that event and lose games. I'm just going to put that out there right now. They will lose games. And Kentucky fans are going to throw a fit and go, well, fire cow, this team's trash. Oh, so you build up all this hype about these damn freshmen, and here we go. Uh, they, they can't even beat a U23 Canada team. How dare they? Yeah, all that all that stuff's going to be out there. But I'm letting you know, it's very, very good competition. Kentucky will lose those games, and they will be better because of it. Because it's five freshmen, because it's, uh, you know, Damian Collins, it's going to be guy, you know, depending on what happens, it's going to be guys that need those opportunities, those early reps. Uh, and, and I'm a huge, huge fan of this event in particular. It's going to be a great opportunity. It's right around the corner. It's first week of July. So there ain't no of July in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no, there's no turnaround. Like it's, it is, it is now. Maybe, maybe we can get Drake to join sources say while we're up there. Oh, that's. 40 chess there. It's all, we'll all those those certain, Yeah. When, when we do that, though, we got to make sure that our, our connection is, is very good. No, we're uh, doing that one. I'm, never, I'm never trusting the internet again. This is why, this is why the internet, you can never rely on the internet. This is, we need you, newspapers. You bring up the, the under 23 or whatever. You know, if, if Oscar Shibway came back, he is 23 years old. So, like, when, if you're not 23, like, if you're one of these older players in college basketball, can you participate in this event? What, what about CJ Frederick? He'll be close. Or is like, he can you to... can you participate? I have no idea. Like, this is a, a discussion that I never thought we'd ever have at Kentucky ever again. If if you're too old to play, but 
that's a that's a question that I it popped into my head earlier. I was like, can you play if you're not 23, or if you are? Because I mean, it's holy crap, holy crap. CJ Frederick is 23 <laughs> years old, and his birthday is July 10th. Barely. What if just what, barely? What, what if like the what if like the championship game is on July 11th and he can play all the way up to like through the semifinals, but, can get up to the title game, but the day he turns 24, they say, "Hell no, USA what rules. If, get out of here." What? Well, what if you're not a U.S. citizen? Can you play? Can you represent Team USA? Is it Kentucky representing? Like, is that how this works? Like. Technically, we're not going to be saying Kentucky defeated so-and-so. We're going to say Team USA defeated so-and-so or Team USA lost. We're literally going to have to refer to these this group as Team USA. Like, that's the yeah. loophole of being able to do this. Mm. Yeah, it, it's um, – I looked up the Baylor roster, and they have uh, a couple of, of foreign players that some were injured during this event. So I couldn't get, like, an actual final answer – on that, but I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that they are allowed to play in this event because it's not Team USA, it's like representing USA, like they're they're representing American college basketball. I think so. I don't know, and, and I mean, well, depending on what happens with Ugo, and depending on what happens with Oscar, Oscar leaving, and Ugo kind of being a crapshoot, you might not even have that question, really, Sean. Because yeah, I, mean, I think those, those are the only two, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So hmm. I'm I'm more impressed though that at one point I looked down. I'm pretty sure we had 514 people in here. So like, talk well, about I'm a sorry show, that right? They got the absolute worst show of all time in terms they, of. Uh, we got a lot of people I'm... asking us. We got a lot of people asking us in the comments why we're saying anything about Uganda not coming back. And, and why that's there because you know of his comments the other day. So maybe when you were talking about that earlier, you might have been going in and out. I don't know. So Cole, if you want, if you want to, while we're here, Cole says, "Jack, get a podcast mic for your setup, bro." And I have another one in my actual backpack that the audio, just, you, for whatever reason, hasn't been super clear on that one. Either. People, so that's why I tried. That's why I tried this. Pe one. People have no idea what we go through every time we try to record. Like. We say it's five o'clock and then it's five fifteen. But back when it was just me and you, we didn't have anybody producing this thing. It was like hold the wire just right so it doesn't cut out. <laughs> I can remember those days. <sighs> yeah, this is stressing me out. Uh, so I guess I went out for the Ugo part. Is that what the comment said? I, I don't know if you went out, but there's people that are asking why we're even talking about it because he's already said he's coming back. But no. I know you put that in your notes and stuff yesterday. No. Ignore it. Again, I, I don't know if you missed this part. Michael Kidd Gilchrist once said that he was coming back to Kentucky for four years after an emotional postseason win. Archie Goodwin said that he was coming back after the Robert Morris loss. Rick Pitino wasn't leaving. Rick Pitino wasn't leaving. Although Ugo was different, as I, I don't know. Did you hear at all my spiel about being outside of his control? Mm -hmm. I heard that, but I think some other people probably maybe came in late or something and didn't, did. or the or the audio connections because it did come out, you know, in in the story with with Ben Roberts and the Herald Leader, he was talking about coming back, and obviously his comments in that moment were coming back, but we just kind of, 
you got to take it like a grain of salt at Kentucky. You never know. That locker room is what it is. Things can change in a week. Things can change in two weeks. And uh, you obviously wrote that yesterday on KSR, and I think you put that in your kind of your breakdown and stuff of where things were leading up to the offseason. And it's not a for sure thing. I know I think you wrote that it's not – one. I don't think it's like a not a 0% chance that he, he doesn't leave or something like that. So I hope he's at Kentucky next year because I think his impact defensively would be significant on this roster. Yeah. And, and the issue is it, it doesn't have anything to do with Ugo. It's about the people that got him to America from, from Africa and the, you know, promises that were made and, and, you know, expectations of what it was when he, like just going back and now that we're we have this platform, I, I just go back to during his recruitment, they were very touchy about throwing around the word red shirt. Like UK's expectation when they started recruiting him was, Hey, let's get you to reclass up a year and sit out this year, work alongside Oscar Shibway and come back next year and be a superstar. Like you're already the best defensive player in high school basketball, work under Oscar Shibway, learn how to, uh, you know, finish through physicality and strength and, and all those things. And then come back and be a college basketball superstar as John Calipari continues to stress over and over again. And I think that is something to keep an eye on. John Calipari has this entire time kind of been throwing those little lobs here and there during every, you know, media session. I think Ugo's going to be the best center in college basketball. I think the, we can play two seven-footers together, kind of the, how he's going to be used and kind of laying the foundation of his recruitment of Ugo back. It just sucks that we even have to have a recruitment of Ugo back because, yes, use his quotes after the game as proof that he wants to come back and then understand yeah. that it's just a little bit more complicated. And if it goes Kentucky's way, he will be back. If it goes Ugo's way, he will be back. If it goes anybody else associated with Ugo, I've heard the Big, Big East is very interested. I'll just say that. Yeah, where will Several you schools. go, Ugo? Where will you go, Ugo? Several schools in the Big East will will and already have sent out feelers and have made it very clear that he's wanted at their respective schools. Just being totally totally transparent on the show. Now that you guys maybe about time there's some transparency because I've been fuzzy and uh, having mental breakdowns throughout this entire thing anyway. So about time there's some damn transparency. Fifty eight minutes and forty seconds in. Yeah, this. Uh... This one's going to go into the all timers for sure. Like this is uh this is the perfect wrap up. Yeah, like we uh, people don't know what we go through trying to find spots to record and then how long it takes us to really get going. So when we say five o'clock, we're probably saying five ten or five fifteen. So if you're five oh eight and you're rushing, probably didn't miss a thing. Just uh, jump in when you can and just hang on. But we have been gaining viewers this entire time. So whatever's happening. It's obviously worked out for us, and yeah, hopefully somebody, yeah, hopefully somebody gets something out of this because uh, I do think that we've given some good info and some good intel, and especially from from your side and and things. And it's uh, it's an unfortunate ending to the season. I'd love to be in New York City tonight, getting ready to cover Kentucky and Michigan State in a rematch battle. But we're sitting at home and talking about next year and uh, McDonald's game coming up. 
So I'm sure we'll talk some stuff with that and, and things. I'll That'll kind of be a because I know we've had people wanting us to break down their games. I think it would be better if we watch that game next week and then come together and, and collab and kind of talk about where they were and, and where they are and things like that. And then obviously each time there's a decision made on this roster, Jack, I just be like last year, we're going to hop on here. And we're going to talk each time something happens because each domino that falls impacts that we're going to have coaching staff decisions. We're going to have all that. Like we know there's going to be moves made because clearly there is an opening on this staff. Now that KT Turner has officially been announced at, at UT Arlington. So there's a lot of moving parts with this that, there's going to be no lack of content between now and probably the end of May. Well, since you so eloquently laid it up for me, I will uh, at least tell you what I know about about um, KT's replacement. I have talked to, um, well, it's me. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm kidding. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you just look at my, if you just look at my Twitter picture, I mean, I, I did talk to KT at the game and just, you know, congratulate him on, uh, you know, on him leaving and um, just putting it out there. I have heard from individuals that Josh Passner is interested, that he has reached out to Kentucky and he is very hungry for this job. Um, I was told that he was kind of taken aback a little bit um, by getting fired at Georgia Tech and it was not a situation that he uh, was expected to be let go from, even though the track record wasn't the best. Um, so I, I just think it was time for a fresh start on their, their end. Um, Josh Pastner since then, um, after, you know, kind of hit and reset for himself, reached out to Kentucky and John Calipari made it very clear that he wants to be in Lexington. Um, I, John Calipari is not going to be making any hires immediately. He said on the show that uh, an official replacement will be made after the final four. So after next weekend, uh, we'll get at least some more cl clarity, but I'm very confident in saying that, um, that Josh Pastner is, is a very realistic possibility to replace KT Turner. And I will add that Derek Kellogg, who used to play for Cal back at UMass and has been an assistant, uh, forever and is, has been a head coach at various spots. Um, that's also one to keep a very close eye on as well. I think both will end up on staff if you were to ask me today. Um, I would not be shocked if Bruiser Flint takes a head coaching job. I, I'm told that he wants to get back into coaching and um, take whatever opportunity uh, you know he can get. You know he's been out of out of the head coaching game for a minute now, and um, it's tough to go from being. Uh, special assistant to the head coach like he is in Lexington to taking a big jump to being a head coach again at the B1 level. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. He interviewed at Manhattan. I was told that he's probably not going to be the choice there. Um, Temple reached out. They were interested, but it hasn't really gained much traction since then. Um, but those are two schools that have reached out, have, have been in contact. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be one of those two. Probably not, if I had to guess, but I do think that the conversations are starting and, and uh, I do expect him to return to the coaching ranks in some form or fashion. And I think that's where you get uh, Derek Kellogg potentially sliding into his role. Um, and uh, you get five new assistants, the, the NCAA change the rules, Sean, you get five assistants on staff. Only three can be on the road recruiting, but you have five uh, full-time assistants that you can use at your disposal. So uh, you can get flexible. And I'd like to see Cal get flexible. Do not get content. Don't just go hire your buddies because you're able to. Go get a badass recruiter. Go get a bench coach. Go get a developer and, and 
you know, get some versatility on the staff because being totally honest and transparent, it's missing right now. Well, to me, when it comes to your makeup of your staff, and at one point it wasn't like this at Kentucky. When he first got to Kentucky, you had a young Orlando Antigua, you had a Kenny Payne, these guys that hadn't been head coaches yet. They had been just what? Assistant coaches. Mm -hmm. And was talking to somebody recently about this, and this is coming from a coaching perspective. I was actually talking to a coach yesterday about this aspect of it that – when you're an assistant coach that's not been a head coach, you grind and you work and you do all these things because you have aspirations and hopes of what? Becoming a head coach. Yeah, head coach. And as the longer the John Calipari era has gone on, the assistant coaches have been head or the assistant coaches have been coaches that didn't make it as head coaches. Like you're getting to that right. point now. Orlando Orlando had his stint. He's back as an assistant. Uh, if you bring in Passner, had his stint as a head coach, back in as an assistant coach. Uh, I, I think that there's just – I would love to see a guy on this staff that will come in here and work his tail off because he wants to – a Jay Lucas, climb the ladder and mm-hmm. kind of move up. I want to see some young legs that wants and has hopes of being a head coach. But I, I think it's important to have guys around you that are seasoned – and done things and maybe now at a different point in their career, but I also think it's important to not just go comfort in guys you know. Step out and get a young guy who wants to come in here and take advantage of the Kentucky effect and the platform and grind and grind and grind, recruit, do things for your program, and excel and take off into a coaching role as a, as a head coach at some point. And I think that that was the appeal at one point of having Jay Lucas on staff. Mm-hmm. And Joel was the same way. Joel was the young guy at one point that wanted to eventually become a head coach. I think that's important to have in a mix of what you have already. You need one bench coach, one X's and O's guru, and you need an ace recruiter. You need a, a personal guy, a guy who's a, the connecting piece between the plot, the staff and the player. You need a, a dude that is an offensive guru and an X's and O's guru, and then you need an ace recruiter. You don't need three ace recruiters because Cal is an no. ace recruiter. You need to understand that Cal is the closer. You don't need three closers on the team. You already have one in the best in Cal. You have one in Orlando, at, you know, at, at his best. You don't need to just focus on recruiting. You need There needs to be a greater emphasis on scouting. There needs to be uh, a greater emphasis on work ethic. And, and, you know, focusing, as you said, on being hungry. And, and wanting to climb the ladder and not settling. And I think that there's been a little bit too much settling inside uh, of the locker room at this point. And I, I do think that uh, it, there will be a time to address that this offseason. I think it's going to be soon. There, there's way too much content behavior right now. At, at and, and I don't want any of those assistants to come across this and listen to me think that I'm calling them a failure or something or that they're not working hard. I just think that... I guess my hope would be whoever comes back, like it's Passner. Passner's been a head coach. He's had some success. He he beat Kentucky just a few years ago. We, me and you, were the only two people in the building for that. But <laughs> when you when you look at it, I would think that Passner would be making this move if he ends up at Kentucky with the hopes of that he gets his career going back in the direction and kind of springboards himself back into another opportunity as a head coach. But that fire of doing something when you've done it and you've got it's a demotion, right? You're an assistant coach. 
it's hard to go from being a head coach back to an assistant coach. I was an assistant coach when I first started my career for two years, and then I've been a head coach the last 10. It's a hard transition to think about being an assistant coach again. But I think that even at that level, it's even it's even harder to kind of get your mindset right. But if your mindset is to attack it and to better yourself and better your positioning and you grind the same way that you did when you were young and you felt like it, I think that that's a big step in doing the job and, and doing it the right way. And I'm not saying Kentucky's guys aren't. I just think some young a young piece on the staff in some role who doesn't care if it's midnight and he's up working and doing whatever it takes to make the Kentucky basketball program better. When you get that in there and you get that blood, I think it isn't, I think it's contagious. And at one point that was Cal. Cal was the guy that lost sleep and lost sleep and was doing it. And I, I still think he obviously loses sleep because I'm, I'm sure he's stressed when it comes to things that they do, but I want that overall grind back on Kentucky's coaching staff. And if, if, if Passner's that guy, then I hope that that's, what it, I hope that that's the way it works out. But does that make any sense where I'm coming from? It's like I'm 33. And if you put me on that, if you're 30, I'm 33. And if you put me on that staff right now, I would not sleep. I would be like, what do I have to do to get this right? What do I have to do to make this better? What do I have to do to make sure that we don't lose in the first round next year? Like, who do I got to call? What do I got to do? Like, that's the, the the mentality that I hope somebody takes. And I hope that that's the overall thing. Cause it's what's happened the last three or four years in Kentucky. It's not acceptable. And I don't want this to be how this error is remembered. Whenever Cal's time at Kentucky is done, I don't want to just remember the first six years mm-hmm. or just be like, Oh man, that was really good when it was right. Because I made this comment to you in, in Greensboro. And I don't think I've said it. Maybe I said it on this podcast that when Cal got to Kentucky, I know I'm rambling and we'll wrap up. He said, when we're doing this thing right, we're playing in Final Fours and we're winning national championships. So are we saying that we were only doing this thing right the first five years? Right. And I just think that that's, if that was your mindset at one point, then that was the, the, the pedestal and the precedent that you set as the head coach here. And I want to see them get back to doing that. And I think that they can. I think that they really can. And I think that Cal wants to. And I would love to see a final push from John Calipari get back to the glory days of getting to final fours and putting Kentucky on the the mountaintop of college basketball again. And I, it, at Kentucky, it's possible. I think that it can happen. Some things have to go in their favor. They have a really good class coming in. You need some guys coming back. You hit, I th- hit the portal for a guy, maybe two, depending on what happens, get your assistant coaches, right. And come back ready to attack this thing because next season is just a couple of weeks away. Yeah. I, I appreciate the fact that, Josh Pastner reached out to Kentucky and has yeah. has shown that hunger because, as you said, it'd be really easy for him to go. Man, I'm not gonna. I, I'd take a lower in this head coaching job before I get back to being an assistant. There's a vulnerability with that. There, there's some accountability with that where you look at yourself in the mirror and go, "I've had 14 years as a head coach at Memphis and at Georgia Tech. It has not gone swimmingly." I am elite at some things, and I want to get back to do, to showing how elite I am at those things and let somebody else give me a shot. And I think that's where Josh Pastner, he's young enough to where he still connects with recruits. Um, he's young enough to where he does have a drive to get to that next level and return to the coaching ranks as a head coach. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to add him to the staff, and, and I do hope that uh, Cal sees that hunger as a sign of of positivity. I, I do. I, I love the idea of that, and I do think that. And, and a couple of people asked uh, about 
uh, Ray John Rondo, uh, back when I brought that up and, and recorded that to three, two, three months ago, however long it's been. Um, yeah, the, the plan still is for Rondo to join the staff as a student assistant. He is, is still in very recent communication with John Calipari, a conversation that he initiated um, and, and is very intrigued by, I think. My only concern with that is an NBA team swooping in and stealing him in August, you know, leading up to the NBA season, whenever NBA training camp starts. I, that That is my my only. And shoot, if you can get a month out of Rondo in the Joe Craft Center as a full-time assistant, you know, full-time student assistant, where he's working with DJ Wagner and, and Rob Dillingham for a month, I'm taking it. I, I don't care. Um, I talked to... Tyler Eulis actually himself, and he said that the plan is for him to return next season as well. Um, so if you can, by the grace of God, get both of those two in that locker room together alongside a Josh Pastner, and, you know, if you bring in Derek Kellogg, whatever, if, if you get some new faces and, uh, you know, light that spark on the coaching staff again, yeah. I think we could be uh, we could be working with something there. And, and that that's a best-case scenario. So fingers crossed on Rondo. All is still very well. He's on campus taking full-time classes and inching closer toward being on the staff. As a, as a, you have to be a full-time student to be on the staff as a uh, student assistant, and he is trending in the right direction for that. Yeah, and that would be big. But I'm with you. I could see Rondo being pulled away from someone else, especially when it comes to NBA, an NBA job or some role, given his voice and, and platform and stuff in the league there and how successful he was as a player and but boy, that would be big for this program if you got him around next year along with Tyler Eulis. But we've gone on a lot. Hopefully, we made up for if there were any poor connections and stuff. And uh, Jack, it's going to be an eventful. Like it, we we have, and and I'm hoping that oh God, I hope we don't get a phone call and say that I was just calling Kentucky staff not good because that's not what I was trying to get at. I was I was trying to say that I just want some fire back when i go by the it craft center i want to feel individuals i just need the fire when i go when i go by the crap when i drive by the craft center i want to feel some heat but i don't want it to be somebody's job i want it to be the fact that there there's just there there's fire there there's passion and i just i want to see some excitement i want to be able to walk back in that building and be like man this there's some swag here there's there's some confidence about this program and where it's at heading into next season because right now there should be given the class coming in and you're going to get to see them a lot sooner than what we expected. But I want to see what this roster looks like. My date that I give is always the last week of May. That's when I give my assessment of where Kentucky's at as a roster and then moving forward. That's the week. And maybe it's sooner than that at this point. But that's usually the safe bet because you got the NBA early entry, the, the deadlines and all that stuff passed. By then, we should know what not just Kentucky looks like, but what college basketball looks like. And then we can kind of start to give our uh, our viewpoints. My hope is this. I hope that this is a Kentucky team that goes into next year not ranked inside the top ten. I would love to see them one time put Kentucky somewhere like 14th, 15th, and kind of not let them start a year with the whole top five team on their back. Yeah. Is that going to happen? Probably not. They're probably going to be in the top five or top seven when it comes out. But I would love to see it be like a top 15 team and kind of not have that weight on their shoulders right away. But 
we'll see what happens. There's a long way. Armando Baycott comes back to college at North Carolina, like, and comes back to school. Like, there's NIL has changed the game significantly. Yep. Sure has. Um, so this week is going to be a big one. Uh, players are still wrapping up class. Some of them are, have already returned back home and are taking classes uh, at, at home and online as they assess the, the, their futures, uh, whether it be going pro, whether it be hitting the transfer portal or returning to Kentucky. But the official sit-down meetings will start with Cal next week. Uh, Cal gets back in town on Monday, and that's when he's going to kind of start gathering, um, you know, the individual players and start really assessing what this roster is going to look like. So um, of what you could hear on this show, this was just kind of a, a preview of what's to come. Basically where things were trending as the regular season came to a close, as the postseason came to a close and some of the early conversations among the staff and, uh, you know, people that would know um, where kind of things are trending or at least leaning as they approach a very, very big week for uh, Kentucky. So we'll be back. Um, I'm going to go back and re-listen to this and see just how much was cut out. And if we need to just like record one on our own, just audio or whatever we got to do, Sean, we'll, uh, we'll do that probably tomorrow or something. But um, hopefully this was worthwhile and you guys uh, got some, um, had some fun making fun of me and my little mental breakdowns trying to juggle this stupid internet connection. But uh, I think we finished strong and I appreciate everybody being patient with us. It, it does mean uh, quite a bit to us that uh, the numbers were what they are on the show. So I definitely appreciate that. One final message before we get out of here. The Source State Podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. Andy is super nice. Great to chat with. Big college sports fan, by the way. And we are very excited to partner with him. Again, this year, Andy is an experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 10 plus years ago. If you're wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you. As always, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Sean, um, of all the shows that we've ever done, this was certainly one of them, and I appreciate you being a part of it. Uh, now the only thing that I'd say right now is, God, I wish I had some New York pizza. Like, that's what I wish. That I wish that I was uh, on the wrong side of Madison Square Garden and you were searching for me like you were at 3.30 in the morning when Kentucky lost to Duke a couple of years ago. But never again, right? You told me, never again. <laughs> no, you almost, you almost lost again. the sources. You almost lost your co-host that night. Yeah, I was almost got stabbed by a homeless guy <laughs> walking up to me on the street. That was uh, that was a, a memory that I'm excited to never live uh, ever again. But it is what it is. Sean, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GVBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim, KSR Rich. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time with another non-blurry, non-internet connectivity issue-filled uh, podcast. We will see you then. <laughs>